Good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to another episode on the Dill Journeys podcast. Today's episode is a very educational one and also one that may just even change your whole mindset of being grateful for what you've got. So um, today's guest is Ryan from ISR Training and it's all about ethical selling. So I know um, personally I struggled with selling things just because I felt like a bad person or all these limiting beliefs I had, but these got chucked out the window after this conversation with Ryan and I actually learned a lot in it myself. So I hope you guys can get some value from it. A bit about Ryan, he actually had 30 cents to his name sleeping on a floor. He was dead broke and then we talk about how he turned his life around and how he actually started this company and now it's working with the likes of Mercedes-Benz, Subway and other major companies in the game. So he's doing amazing things. So without further ado, here it is. Back on. First of all, thanks for jumping on today, Ryan. Really Sorry. appreciate your Thank time. You. I'm looking forward to this one because um, I know I've had uh, a bit of limiting beliefs with sales and um, some of them being like, you know, you come up with this image of a salesperson, you think they're a bad person, but you're all about like swish and um, good ethical sales, which yeah, is, sure. I'm fascinated by. Um, so mate, a way that I like to break the ice is by asking you something that not a lot of people know about you or is a weird little habit. A weird little habit? Yeah. Um, oh, okay, the one that's come up recently an awful lot is um, I read everything backwards. So, really? um, so if I see um, a word or um, just, just, just anything, so all of these signs, all, all the businesses up there that we've got our success wall, I'll read all of those backwards as I'm looking at them. So if I see Subway there, I say yeah. your bus. If I see National Storage, I see Igarot's Lanoitan. Um, wow, that is fascinating. Um, I don't know if that is fascinating, hopefully. but um, <laughs> That is definitely fascinating. Like I've heard a lot of things, but that just... That's at the top right now. Is that, is that weird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting, that's yeah. for sure. Mate, so um, you're, let's say you're around 16, 17. What did you want to become? A footballer. Footballer. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I played um, uh, soccer, obviously. I'm, yeah. I'm not the tallest bloke in the world. So I played um, for, uh, was it Leicester? Leicester City um, okay. in the UK for um, my early teens. And then I got released as a 16-year-old. I was... Yeah never going to be the tallest bloke in the world and they no. uh, basically told me I was too short and didn't make it right. but all the way through like um, I, I was so focused on becoming a footballer that I never had like I've never even today I'm, I'm 37 years old today um, mm. <laughs> um, I've never had a cigarette or a, um, any yeah. sort of drugs and I, and I feel yeah. like that was such a, a focus for me there was nothing else so yeah. after that if you say to me 17 years old 18 years old I didn't know so yeah, any 18 okay. year olds that are watching and they don't know what they want to do yeah that's okay in my eyes yeah, yeah. and so do you so you still haven't had like a cigarette or a drink nope. no and i've had a drink i drink yeah. but um, yeah. never had any drugs never had a cigarette in my yeah. life and do you reckon that's all stemmed from you being in a sport and you wanting to perform at the most optimal level and like sort of staying away from that sort of bad crowd because you know in sport you want to perform form to an optimal level so you know drugs and alcohol we know that just doesn't achieve that sort of streams away so you reckon like sporting in a way sort of ensure that you're the person you are today uh, yeah 100 percent. at that time in my life definitely and um not necessarily a, a bad crowd because what i don't want to say is that yeah. bad people do drugs and because yeah, yeah, yeah. um at the time a lot of my friends around me were smoking and they were going out partying and mm. doing drugs but i just chose not to do it um, yeah and even at growing up past that past the age 18 all the way through to 30 I still know people that do do, do drugs and there's mm. nothing wrong with that if that's the way they wanted to lead their life I think yeah. I just had a clear focus at that moment in my life and then I got past the stage of wanting to try anything yeah. um, I think the exact same thing happens in business like I can go out partying every single weekend which will then be detrimental to me Monday through Tuesday Wednesday because I still feel dusty which means yeah. I'm unproductive um, or I can go, no, I'm not actually fussed about going out partying because I really want to create an empire here and grow something that's going to impact people all around the world. That doesn't happen working nine to five, Monday to Friday. No. That happens by having a sole focus. So I think, yeah, football gave me that initially. Um, sports gave me that initially. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of followed me now throughout the, my adult life as well. Yeah, yeah. So... I understand you went to university, was it? And um, yeah, you studied, I was, is it engineering? I was an engineer, yes. Yeah, so how do you go from being an engineer to now running your own company? Because like obviously <laughs> engineers are very you know, structural, 
got everything sort of set out and um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. How yes. all happened? So um, the, 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 the short story is I realized that I wasn't fulfilling my potential um, after eight years as an engineer. So um, okay. I fell into engineering I didn't really want to do it, but I guess it comes back to your previous question that I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I got offered um, an opportunity to work at an engineering company. Mm -hmm. They manufactured beer cans or beverage cans, so it was sheet metal fabrication, and we would take a, a piece of sheet metal and turn it into a beer can. Um, yeah, wow. and, it, and then I found the process quite fascinating of how it yeah. worked, and I would be working on um, the, the fast, fast speed machinery um, that did that. Um, and then I got educated on how to do it better. I ended up becoming a technician. I started earning some really good money and I got caught up in the money side of things. Yeah. What I realized was there was a lot of people that were working there that have been doing it for 20, 25 years. Um, and every lunch, every break time, they were moaning about the same things. Um, and they were successful people in my eyes because mm. I don't come from an affluent background. So... I was watching these guys thinking they've got loads of money, they've got ha big houses, they've got pools, they've got nice cars, and they're not happy. And I thought, that's gonna be me. So I got <laughs> to the age of 27, and I realized that maybe I'm not fulfilling my potential, maybe there is something else out there, and I just got caught up in just making good money. Mm. I owned property in the UK, I had a nice car, I had a, I had a lovely dog, um, <laughs> and at the age of 27, I just gave it all up, and I decided to jump on a plane and move over here. Wow. Um, then because I came here as a backpacker, I really struggled to find work. Anybody that's out there that's a backpacker will understand you can only work for one company for six months on that visa. Okay. So the only work I could get was working in a call center, um, which is exactly as you'd expect. I don't know if you've done that. Yeah, um, I actually did it um, start last year. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. How'd you find it? Well, that's what put me off sales. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it sort of scarred me from sales because I just didn't have belief in myself. And yeah. you're calling up people and you just... No, you weren't confident. Them. Like I just didn't believe in the product that they were selling. Okay. Yeah. And that's the whole. You can't sell something that you don't believe in. For sure. And, then, yeah. and that's that's exactly what happened to me. So I had. Bear in mind, I, I was twenty seven, almost twenty eight at the time. So I'm. I've got a lot of my limiting beliefs are already formed. They're established. I've had a lot of people over the years tell me that salespeople are dodgy, and I had all the yeah. preconceived misconceptions of salespeople. Then I fell into this call center, and I realized that I was actually crap it as well so there was 21 people in the sales company and I was bottom of the sales um, of the sales board for the first three months um, you probably know this story if you've done a bit of research but um, it got yeah. to the stage where I was literally sleeping on a bathroom floor 31 cents to my name and thinking what am I doing like I've got a good job in the UK if I want it I've got a family that love me why am I still continuing to do something that's giving me high levels of anxiety mm. um, in an industry I don't want to be in earning no money what am I doing and um I guess the threshold for my change in direction in life, uh, sorry, the crossroads would be when I had a conversation with um, my now business partner, Jack, and told him that I was gonna go back to the UK. And he said to me that I hadn't even tried to master this. Um, bearing in mind at this stage, I'm making $300 a day, being told to piss off 298 times a day. I'm thinking I've given this a really good go, you know? Um, mm. And he said, no, you haven't tried to truly master the art of sales, negotiation, body language, emotional intelligence, behavioral science, and so on and so forth. So he challenged me to study it for the next 60 days. Um, and in five weeks, I went from 21st on the board to first. Wow. Um, and then that kind of sparked something in me. I literally went penny drop. Like sales can be learned. I, I thought beforehand sales was just like a, a natural skill. Like you had the gift of the gab, you can mm. either do it or you can't. Um, and I was, and still am to, to an extent, I dress a bit quirky, but um, I'm an introvert by nature. Yeah. So I thought that sales was for extroverts, people that are really out there, super confident, love talking to people, that wasn't me. Mm. What I realized in that five weeks of study was that this is an art, this is a process. And my engineering brain went, oh my God, this is a formula. And I started to realize that there was five fundamentals to communicating with human beings and, and getting your value across, how you introduce yourself, how you discover their wants and needs, how you get people to open up, how you present your value proposition, how you ask for the business and what order you ask for it in, and then how you overcome objections or control your mindset around the level of rejection. And that's what I kept finding amongst all these old school sales greats. They'd all kind of, if I brought it all together, like your, your Tom Hopkins, Jim Rowan, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, um, Ron Willingham, all the old school greats, that was the five fundamentals. And I'm like, so this can be learned. And I kept studying, I kept studying. And within 14 months, I was general manager of the whole company. We had 47 staff. 
and that was my first sort of foray into management or leadership and training and I just love taking people that like yourself that didn't want to be in sales didn't enjoy it because they didn't believe in a product mm. and, and show them that hey if you learn these skills you can actually create a different life for yourself um, my big issue and I guess why we're sitting here today to go around and answer your question is that the higher up I got within the organization the more unethical I realized they were yeah um, Jack had left new business owners had come in and they were wanting us to sell a bit more forcefully shall we say it wasn't consultative sales it was very high pressure um, that didn't sit well with me I didn't feel comfortable doing that um, and what I saw behind the scenes was a, a real kind of angle of just make money regardless of the consequences just take money off people and I didn't want to be doing that so in 2014 um, Jack had retired before then so I kind of got him out of retirement um, and we decided to create an organization that trained people on how to sell with integrity and sell honestly with the mission to change the perception of sales like you said yeah. straight away you said uh, there is a stigma around the word sales and, and yeah. you, you had all these beliefs so did I I've been able to overcome them so I thought if I can then maybe we can change the perception all around the world definitely yeah. and it's, it's something that a lot of people need to do because in business like a lot of people think if you can market it, you know, well enough, then you can get it out there, which you can. To an extent, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, if you can't sell it, then it's, without it's, sales, business fails. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good little saying. Yeah, I yeah. like that. We live by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, can we take a little step back in that moment when you sort of felt like you only had thirty-one cents to your name, yeah. and you're sleeping on like what was it, a floor, on a bathroom floor, on a bathroom lilo. floor? Yeah, yeah. There we go. What What were you thinking in that moment? Like what? Were you trying to sort of find people that you could really connect with? Like, because, you know, you hear a lot of people in those type of situations, it's almost like a, either they go back to where they were, like you said you were going to go, yeah, yeah. or they have their little breakthrough, which you did in a sense. So um, Yeah, awesome question. I think for me, I wasn't thinking about who can I find. I was, th I was thinking of excuses. I, okay. Deep down, I didn't want it to work. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people fail because they want a scapegoat. So I wanted to do this sales training and I didn't actually want it to work. I wanted it to validate because I'd never failed at anything. Like I was, a, apart from being released by a front footballer, I was still playing a decent level. I was a half decent footballer, um, although pretty scrappy. Um, <laughs> um, and I'd been a great engineer. Like I was always, I was always been pretty successful, did okay at school and all of that. So for me to fail at something, I wanted to find an excuse for it. So I wanted to say, see, it just doesn't work. So I was looking yeah. for reasons to validate why I was failing. Um, what I found was that when I started to understand the psychology of buying behaviors and how this is a process, it actually removed my excuses. I started to see little wins, little victories, and over time I'm like, okay, so maybe it was me. And then I started to take a level of accountability. And then, it was only then, and that would have probably been about maybe two weeks into studying, I started to see some little wins. I was keeping people on the phone a little bit longer. I was able to overcome one or two more objections than I usually do. The rejection wasn't getting to me as much and I, and I was very aware of that. Um, and then I realized that, I just realized that I wasn't looking for the excuses anymore. I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I've got progression, not perfection, there's no pr perfection, just progression. And only then I started to realize because Jack had said those words to me, I need to find more people that are gonna believe in me and say those words to me. Mm. Um, and that's what I'd encourage people to do is try and surround yourself with those people as soon as you can. Um, yeah. I used to think that was really cheesy. Like uh, you do become the product of the five people you spend your most time with. Mm. It's so true. It, it, like we talk about the, the four pillars of limiting beliefs. Like that it starts with the stories that you allow yourself to be told. And most of our stories come from our parents. Mm. So with all due respect to my parents, they. They're not business people. Um, no. They're really hardworking individuals that did everything they could to bring us up in the right way, and they did, and they love us, and they're phenomenal. Um, but they didn't understand business, so I never got educated around that. I was always told, get a good job, go to university, get a good job, buy a house, get married, settle down. That's, that's great life, which is obviously a cliche story that's told over and over again. What I wish people would have told me is, hey, if you surround yourself with motivated, ambitious people, it will lift your eye line and it will get you thinking bigger. Um, obviously, it's been well documented what happened with the Sharks. Like We're under no illusion since they come on board. They have played a big part in us growing 300% over the last 12 months because they get us thinking bigger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's like that's even an issue I'm going on with at the moment, like trying to think big because when you're around people that are like... Thinking having, small. Yeah. When you're around people that are thinking small, you, you, know, you sort of cut back on your beliefs. It's like... 
my little uh, breakthrough was when I went to Tony Robbins' event and he spoke. You UPW? Yeah, UPW. Yeah, nice. And um, he was speaking about sales and he was talking about if you if you genuinely come from like love and you can see like that you're actually making a difference like with the product, then that's like the best thing you can do. For sure. And I think that was the whole issue that I was having was yeah. like I didn't actually see the positive effect that the end product was having on the consumer. Yes. Because, you know, a lot of people don't want to, um, for example, if someone's walking down the road and they might have um, something on their face, like most people don't really want to tell them because they feel like it's rude. Yes. But you should tell them. You're doing them a disservice by not telling them. Exactly. And I got into an interesting conversation um, with the founder of uh, Glaxon uh, Media and he was talking about that. And he's like, because he asked me, well, like, they're, what they're just I do? around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked me, what would I do in that situation? And I said, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him because mm. I, I'd feel bad. But he's like, tell them. Like, yeah. honestly, they'll respect you for it. So for sure, and yeah. it's um, that that's a great sales analogy in general because I I, I said that to my team. I said to people that we we coach all the time. If you genuinely, and I mean genuinely, believe that your product or service is going to benefit the end user because you found. Um, a hole or a gap in their knowledge. Um, if you don't tell them and then they go elsewhere and buy something else that doesn't live up to the standards they're looking for, you've actually let them down, you've, you've failed them. Yeah. If I was to do a podcast interview and I'm, I start recording with the cap on the camera, you have to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what, it's, as obvious as that. So yeah. if, I, if I say to you, <laughs> hey, what's your sales experience? Let me listen to you on the phone. Yeah. And I can hear that your your trial closes are in the wrong order. You're doing mid-level commitment before low-level commitment. I have to tell you because yeah. I can better your life because of it. Um, and that took me a while to get my head around. I think because because of the impact my old company had on me mm. and when I realized we weren't necessarily doing right by people, I felt super guilty and I, and I really struggled to kind of push upon people again after that. Mm. And it took me two years before I would get on camera and do a video of myself and go on social media. Yeah, well. Um, and it took me two years to actually feel comfortable going, um, Dylan, I know, mate, I know this is the last $4,000 you've got and the investment is $3,500. I know that this is a large portion of your savings. Yeah. But now I'll take it because I know categorically I can benefit you and I know it will change your life. Yeah. It took me a long time to get to that stage. Yeah. And I through repetition and seeing results, obviously. Yeah, and I find if you're in that position where you've actually been like dead broke and you've had to invest money that you have not had, when you're almost in that situation, yeah. you can like sort of sympathize and like really relate to them. 100%. Which I think, you know, a lot of people like you were saying before, you've always sort of not been spoon fed, but you've had it good, you know, like you've all you've always sort of had it steady and then as soon as you hit that little bump, yeah. you lost it all, you didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I think there's there's got to be some ways where um, us younger generation can sort of consile or work around it instead of having a midlife crisis at 40. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think maybe working from internal because like what's your thoughts? Are you um, Do you do anything internally to make sure that your mental health and um, try and prepare yourself for situations that, you know, company might go on tomorrow like yeah. what do you do to sort of prepare for something like that um, there's nothing really that I mentally do I think yeah. I am just mentally prepared now for experiences I mean I've been pretty fortunate I got three businesses um, I own a real estate investment company that I don't work in um, I scale my way out of that within the first year well um, yeah. I own a hair and beauty salon with my wife that she runs um, I kind of just do all the boring stuff behind the scenes yeah. and this company so I've started three businesses in the last six years two of which I've worked my way out of and they've all been successful. Um, so touch wood, um, that, that <laughs> continues. So, but I've definitely been around, we've coached nearly 5,000 people, so I've seen a lot of companies that have been struggling a lot of stress. So for me, it's more about the people, again, that I surround myself with. I surround myself with positive energies. Yeah. Um, I'm very calculated, so I'm not a, as a coach, like I'm, I don't believe I'm here to inspire or motivate. I'm here to give you practical application tips and tools that you can implement which will work and then give you intrinsic motivation. So I source a lot of that. I said, like if we're, we're gonna do a national tour again next year, I wanna learn how to speak from stage better. I'm not just gonna go, I'm gonna do it better. Um, I need to get in the right headspace. I'm gonna learn literally, where do I stand on that stage? What words do I say? How many minutes should I talk to before I engage the crowd? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's how I learn practically. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't meditate. I really struggled with meditating. Yeah. Um, 
I read a lot of books. But, well, I listen on on, on Audible. Yeah. Um, so I'm always I'm always doing something. Like my my mantra in life is always go to bed more educated than when you woke up. So yeah. I guess the little bit of, I do about half an hour of listening every morning. Um, mm. So I've got a I've got a ten month old baby boy. So um, yeah. after I've had a bit of playtime with him in the morning, I'm getting ready, having some breakfast. Um, I'll have my headphones and I'll be listening to something every day. So when yeah. I walk in here, I'm already more educated than I was yesterday. Yeah. Um, and that comes I think from that first sixty days of fanatically consuming information and realizing that it works mm. um, some of the stuff that I've listened to or heard I've, I've never used but I know categorically sometime down the line it will come in handy definitely and I think that's one thing like I got challenged thing was would have been two months ago when I was interviewing um, a guy called Miles he owns Hype Group it's like a, a marketing company yeah. as well and um, he challenged me to do 30 days whenever you're in the car listen to a podcast and in those three days, I had more ideas than I ever had yeah. in my whole time. Because, you know, you listen to a podcast, you might be in and out of it, but you'll get at least one idea from it. Mm. Or if not, you might just, like, really get value from it. For sure. Something along those lines. So yeah. do you you listen to podcasts quite a bit? Yeah. Or more so, like, audiobooks? Yeah, audiobooks more so than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I've probably, ironically, I've probably stopped studying, like, sales per se for the last couple of years. Yeah, okay. Um, I study more so human behaviours. So the psychology of why people buy. So if me and you have the same product to sell, yeah. why would they buy it off you if it was the exact same price? Why did they choose you and not me? Yeah. That's just obsessed. I've become obsessed with that. So that's getting, all about relationships. Yeah, isn't it? it's all and and conscious and unconsciously as well. So yeah. like how you know when you meet somebody, it's like I like them. Yeah, it just yeah. felt good, and you don't know why. You can't explain yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like that I've become obsessed with. So when I do, a lot of my coaching is more so around the science of human connection. So okay. emotional intelligence, um, buying like archetypes. Um, NLP? NLP a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, NLP's got a bad rap. Um, it's oh, really? got a bit yeah. of a negative connotation to it because yeah. it's quite dangerous in the wrong hands. Yeah, okay. um, So I'm not a practitioner, um, but we yeah. touch on it a little bit. Um, yeah. One thing I was just gonna say as well about, you said, what if the business goes under? Um, yeah. was one of your questions. For me, if you, if you run a business and you know that your intention, like you spoke about earlier, is only to do right by people. Like yeah. People don't expect you to be perfect. Um, if, they, if things go wrong, they expect you to be there and try and fix it for you. Mm. I know categorically over the last five years, we have tried to do right by every single client that's ever come through our doors. So if we were to go under, I know I've still got a good, re uh, good relationship with people. Yeah. Uh, I've still got a good reputation. So as an individual, um, although the, the, the biggest heartbreak for that would be all of my team losing their jobs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I can always go out as a coach and continue because I've got a great, great reputation. So that gives me peace of mind knowing that it's the business, not me, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Um, so, so I'm very comfortable that we've always done right by people. No one's ever going to be slagging us off and so on and so forth. So yeah. the, I guess the lesson there is just always do right by people whether it makes money by by default it should do but if the business for whatever reason struggles cash flow maybe you had your packaging wrong yeah and you didn't have enough margin and you, you couldn't you couldn't survive you're still a good person people will buy into you again i believe yeah and um you're talking a bit about employees now how do you keep your employees like loyal to you do you i know some companies out there um have like an exit strategy, like a five-year exit strategy. So, for yeah. example, if you're success got some, resources, yeah, that, yeah, success resources. So, if you've got um, like some entrepreneurs, maybe when you're interviewing, you see that they're an entrepreneur. Would you sort of try and work around them and make like an exit strategy for them? Because you know, like if they're a born entrepreneur, they're not going to be around forever. Well, that's another conversation. Are we born entrepreneurs yeah. or are we are we oh, well, uh, yeah. nurtured? Cause, yeah. Because I don't think I was a born entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, up to twenty, well, up to thirty years old, I never had a business. Yeah. So, and I never had any ambition too. So. Well, I guess it's I, someone who's very curious. Yes. Because you know? we have that. We yeah. have people come in and then they work around Jack and I. And I think what happens is like I used to be scared of the title CEO. I used to think that people that were a CEO were up here and I put them on a pedestal. Yeah. And I could never call them. It would terrify me. Yeah. I'm now the CEO and I'm the least intimidating person of ever. Um, so I think I, we employ people. They come in and they, they see me and they go yeah. or, and they watch me and Jack and they go, they're actually normal guys. Mm. Maybe I could do something like that. 
Yeah, okay. and then they get inspired by watching what we do. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, do, we don't have an exit strategy per se, but we have mm. um, personal development programs for them within it. So yeah, okay. ev- every single week, I block out nine hours of my week to give every single staff member 30 minutes worth of one-on-one training um, yeah, well. every week. So we call it TCM, so training, coaching, and mentoring. Yeah. So training is skills transfer, is teaching them something that they've never heard of before. Coaching is solidifying that knowledge that we've just trained to them, and then mentoring is controlling their mindset to continue to want to keep growing. Okay. Um, so yeah, every week we do that. Um, every single day, yeah. from eight till eight thirty, they get training um, as a as a team, and then every single day, every single person in the sales team will do role play at least four times a day. So yeah. there's constant training, constant developing. Um, we do end of month awards, we do nights out, like well, whatever it may be. Mm. Um, we don't pay the best wages. Yeah, we, okay. we, we don't. Uh, we, I mean, we're, we're five years in. Um, yeah. From a sales perspective, there's tremendous money to be made if our clients get results. So we remunerate yeah. people on the results of our clients, not on just making a sale, you know? Yeah, so more results-based. Yeah, it has to be, because yeah. that's how our business grows. Yeah, especially in the startup phase. Yeah, so um, I think we just we treat people with respect. Um, I always say that um, I work for them, they don't work for me. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is like, I'm sitting here now doing this for an hour. Yeah. There's a full team out there making this company money. Um, I'm not. Yeah. Do you so know? you're grateful for that? Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, yeah. they, they run the business. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not on the phones making sales. Um, I still do it every now and then because I actually enjoy it. Yeah, okay. But um, they're the ones that carry it. So if you don't treat them well and you get high turnover, you're just making your own job harder. Yeah. But, it, but treating them well doesn't mean always giving them the best salary. Mm. It means incentivizing them in other ways. And... We do a lot of goal setting and, and, and um, finding out what their own individual drivers are because it's not always commission based. Yeah. You know, so because everyone's using that money for something else. Yeah, yeah. So it's what is the money going to be spent on? Like yeah. Rob, who's um, uh, he goes part of Glow Church in in Varsity. Yeah. Um, he's big on giving back to his community. So I know a lot of his commissions go back to the church and the local yeah, community. Wow. So the way we incentivize him is to talk about how can his next sale benefit the community what would that mm. mean to him and that let me get on the phone yeah Do you know what i mean so that's amazing because because yeah. if you can sort of like visualize or visualize for them what their sale and what their commission is going to do to positively impact maybe a community of people then yeah that's going to be their driving force and, and then the flip side of it if you think that that impacts us but what about our clients so we do um Every week, we, we, we do what we call share the chair. So every morning meeting, we have a tra- sales training from 8 to 8.30. Then 8.30 till 9, we have a whole company training. Yeah. Um, and Monday's motivation, Tuesday's uh, training, Wednesday's wow, Thursday think tank, Friday fun, which is usually a quiz. Um, okay. And on the Wednesday wow, we will share all the results of our clients from the week before. So we go through all Google reviews. Um, I might have a uh, Mercedes-Benz or whatever it might be yeah. um, they saw a, a 1.2% increase in sales over the last month since the last training session we'll yeah. share that because then yeah. that invigorates these guys to know that we're actually doing good Yeah. and I think that alongside a, a decent culture and um, working environment makes them go do you know what I'm not earning an absolute fortune but I'm making a difference Yeah. Um, and enjoying it whilst, yeah and enjoying yeah. it yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about ISR and how the idea actually came about and yeah, um, yeah let's just get it going. <laughs> um, so ISR, um, it came about because of obviously what was happening in the other company. So mm-hmm. uh, me and Jack were sitting at Edgewater on Isla Capri, if you know where that is. Um, I don't, to tell so, you the so, truth. Yeah. I'm not going to say yes. Just over the water there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were sitting there and we were like, I'm saying basically... I'm not enjoying the job. Um, I don't mm. believe they're doing it ethically. Um, I don't really want to be doing this anymore. Um, and Jack said, well, what do you enjoy doing? And Jack had like lots of ideas. Jack's like yeah. a real sort of entrepreneur. Yeah. And he's like... Ideas man. Yeah, he's the ideas man. Um, yeah. And I said, well, look, I'm enjoying training people. I love the idea of getting people that have got no experience, as we touched on earlier, and training them to sell with integrity and sell honestly. Yeah. He's like, so you're a sales trainer? I'm like, yeah, I guess... Guess, guess I am a little bit. Um, so it was like recruiting, sales. Um, so he was like, well, why don't we start a training and recruitment company? Um, so, and that's kind of where the idea was born. And then it was, then what we created was, we went back to my house on the dining room table and we had big pieces of A3 and it was, um, what I, what sales training could we offer? Yeah. So we started to just get all of these ideas, all these modules, and it became a curriculum, I guess. It was like, well, we know how to 
build rapport, how to overcome objections, how to introduce ourselves. We know about tonality. We know um, how to tie down and how to control conversations. It's like, okay, so let's break all that up. How would we deliver that? And we created this course. And then what we started to do, we started approaching businesses that were advertising for job seekers. Yeah. And we said, hey, Mr. Business, if I had a job seeker that had no sales experience and we trained them for two days, would you employ them? And they were like, yes. Yeah. So I mean, Jack had a pretty good reputation for sales anyway. They really knew the results that we were getting. Yeah. Um, and they were like, well, how much is it? We were like, no, it's free of charge. We're going to be the first non-for-profit recruitment agency in Australia. Wow. And they went, well, yeah, obviously free of charge, no risk. So then we went, okay, can we advertise a job, the jobs for you? So we started advertising their jobs. So we would say, hey, um, Westpac is looking for work. You would apply for the job. Um, yeah. And then the prerequisite of getting the job would be to go through our training as stipulated by Westpac, so to speak. Um, we would put you through a two-day training program. Mm -hmm. And then only if you got offered a job at the end of the two-day program, so they would interview you at the end, only if you got offered a job, you would pay us $99 a week out of your wages for the first 10 weeks. So it cost you $1,000 but only if you got a job. So if you wow. didn't get a job, you've got free training. Um, we have 96% success rate, and we were placing about 14, 15 people a week into work. Yeah. Um, over just over two years, we placed two and a half thousand people into work, and we saved the government $17 million in Centrelink payments. So that really catapulted our name out there as sales trainers. Yeah. Um, when then we went on Shark Tank, obviously, um, mm -hmm. and when the sharks came on board, they realised that it was the most time-consuming part of our business was recruitment, um, yeah. and the least monetized size of outside of our business. And they basically said, "Look, you've coached nearly three thousand people. You've proved that you can do this now. Why are you still doing recruitment?" And we were like, "Because it's nice." <laughs> like, and it was. It was like super yeah. rewarding. Like, yeah, yeah. For you to sit here and say you did, you worked in a call center, you think you didn't enjoy it or whatever. That was such a common conversation for us to have. Yeah. But then in 10 weeks time for you to then be the best performer in that call center, that was also a common occurrence as well. Yeah. So, it, and that's kind of unfathomable to, to think at the start. Mm. But uh, so it was really nice. It was quite rewarding, especially with what happened at the other company. I felt like we were really giving back. But then um, the sharks were like, well, are you a charity or are you a business? And we were like, yeah, we're not, we're not really making money. We were growing, but yeah. our overheads were growing as well. So we weren't, the margin wasn't there. So um, when they came on board, we scrapped recruitment and we just went, we are, are going to be the number one ethical sales training company on the planet. And that's been our clear vision ever since. Um, and since they've come on board, like I said earlier, we've, we've tripled in size in the last 12 months. Oh, so yeah. it was worth changing over. Um, if, if we get people come through that are looking for work and they want to invest in training, we still, I've got lots of connections, obviously. We can still help people get work, yeah. but we just don't monetize it. It's just like we just connect people now yeah okay yeah so that's kind of where it was born yeah amazing um now like to give a bit of value to the audience um you spoke a bit about with i was listening to the grant cardone one and you spoke about how maybe most people in a sales conversation well if they're going to make an offer to someone they'll say it towards the end of the conversation mm. but i think you spoke about how plant the seed at the start of conversation so maybe within like the first i don't know five minutes is it you yeah. you make an offer can you tell us a little bit about that like theory? Yeah, that? so um, not necessarily make the offer. I mean, we call it signposting. Yeah, okay. um, so just letting people, or framing the call, letting people know where you're going ultimately. So yeah. um, for us, we've got a boot camp um, that we do. It's a two-day boot camp. It's $3,300. We've got an online program, which is $2,995, so just shy of $3,000. I would want to be planting those seeds within the first part of what we call the discovery. So... It could be five minutes in, it could be one minute in, it could be 15 minutes in. It just depends yeah. on how the conversation goes. Yeah. But the reasoning behind mentioning the price point early is for them to be able to build value around it. What a lot of people do, they go, so tell me about your situation. People, oh, What do you think people are thinking? How much is it? Yeah. That's all they want to know is yeah, how much is it? Yeah. So if they're thinking that all the way through, they're not actually consuming the information you're giving them. Yeah. Whereas if I say to you, hey, the reality is you popped your details in. I want to acknowledge you doing that. Naturally, after coaching over 5,000 people now, we know that everybody's situation is different. Obviously, for me to be able to tailor this program to you, I need to ask you a couple of really quick questions. And typically, this will go one of two ways. You might decide to look at our $3,300 two-day boot camp. You might decide to look at our $3,000 12-month online program. I don't know just yet until you answer these questions. So firstly, tell me about your situation. I've done that really early. Now they've gone... $3,000. Yeah. 
Now throughout the rest of the conversation, they can start to quantify whether $3,000 is a good investment. Mm. Whereas if you leave that right till the end, they've now got to, well, they've got to quantify it really quickly. Yeah. Because most people go all the way to the end. They've been on the phone 45 minutes and then the people go, well, how much is it? And because they've been thinking it all the way along, they haven't listened to all your value points prior. Yeah. So now I go, um, so it's an investment of just $3,300 for a two-day boot camp, and they go, okay, let me think about it, which mm. is the most common objection you ever get. Biggest killer. <laughs> Whereas what we're, we're doing by planting it early is giving people time to think about it during the call. Yeah. So when they get to the end, they don't need to think about it, you've just reduced your sales cycle. Yeah, wow. It's fascinating. It's quite powerful. It, yeah. People are scared to do it, though, because they think it will scare people off. Yeah. And, and the easy way to get around that, if I said to you right on the open, um, $3,300 for a boot camp, you're going to tell me you can't afford it. Yeah. Listen, I respect that, and I would expect you to say that at this stage because I've told you nothing about it. Yeah. So with a few quick questions, I can ascertain whether it's worthwhile sh uh, sharing some information about it, and you can then let me know with all the information whether it will be value to you as well. Does that sound sensible? Perfect. Yeah. Tell me about your situation. Yeah, wow. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's awesome watching you do it just yeah. the way you sort of speak, your tone and everything like that. Yeah. You can obviously see that it plays a part in the whole thing because the customer wants to feel good, you mm. know, and you want to feel good as well. So it's just yeah. like trying to channel that through the through the phone. For sure. And um, the tone that you just mentioned there, like I, I was so naive to all of this. I, I didn't, I, I had, you don't know what you don't know, obviously. Um, yeah. And I, there's like 27 different tones. There's 19 micro tones, eight macro tones. I didn't know all of that. Like no, I, no. I just, I just thought if people like you, they like you. Yeah. Um, but when we recognize that our ability to influence or inspire somebody over the phone is 91% our tone of voice and just 9% words, mm. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. What are the tones and how do I master them, you know? Mm. So, that, so that side of things, that's why a lot of public speakers, they have, they have voice coaches yeah. to learn how to, to actually speak properly to engage the audience because you need a different tonal range to engage different personality types. Mm. exactly the same thing over the phone yeah so, and yeah. it's just like even when you're speaking you try and look for the person who's like I don't know the leader of the room and then you you speak towards them the alpha yeah Yeah. try and get them to agree with it and warm up the crowd and make some <laughs> yeah. jokes you know pulling, around, yeah. pulling all that stuff around so mate where do you what's the next step for ISI are you trying to make a new innovative way or what's the next step are you trying to you know branch out to another um, location or when's this being released sorry when's this being released this will be released in a week and a half a week and a half um, okay, I <laughs> you probably, can't say them <laughs> yeah I probably shouldn't say um, I'll throw a little I'll throw a little teaser in <laughs> little there teaser. But, um, yeah we've got lots lots in the pipeline so we're, we're doing two national tours next year we're yeah, going to well. go a bit further afield um, chances are we're going to venture into New Zealand as well for the first time do, a, do an event in um, Auckland um, yeah also adding a little bit more to our product portfolio. So at the minute we've got um, corporate packages whereby people can use our online program and access physical training from Swish, our Swish accredited coaches, which includes myself. Mm -hmm. um, then we've got the online programs and we've got um, the, the boot camps, but we're also adding what we're gonna call, haven't decided just yet, um, it might either be like a mastermind or an accelerator. I wanna find something different because everybody calls them that. Yeah, um, everyone calls them masterminds. But, um, that we're gonna, that's gonna be an invite only program where we invite anywhere from 12 to 20 people maximum into it. Um, and we're gonna literally take, say 12 people, and we're gonna transform their sales process over the course of 12 months. Um, so wow. that'll be handheld coaching from myself, um, Jack, and some, I can't even say their names. Some, some, some <laughs> really leaders. <laughs> some, some, yeah, some leaders, some really big players. Um, and so we really want to focus on those people that are ready to make that jump. So we're talking about people that are already doing um, upwards of a half a million, potentially a million dollars a year, and they really want to kind of accelerate their growth. Yeah, so well. that's probably one of the biggest things that we're adding. Yeah. Um, the, the online program excites me. And the, mm -hmm. the Swish Academy that we created about three years ago, um, Again, I didn't think it was gonna work. Because um, yeah. I, I, like I like physical training. Um, I like classroom-based, I get the best out of that. Hands-on more so, stuff. Yeah, yeah, on a personal level. So I didn't really think the digital training would get as good a result. Um, what it has shown historically now um, is that people that engage it, they get the better long-term results. So physical training like boot camps or Jack or myself going out to your business, that's easy real quick upside um, in the next 30 to 60 days everybody's pumped they take action but then they slip into their bad habits mm -hmm. um, with the digital because we give you live coaching via webinar um, every every week or every fortnight 
and you get an accountability coach as well to, to speak to every single month, that sees the most sustained results. Mm. So I'm excited about what we're doing in there. There's a, we're trying to add a little bit of artificial intelligence in there to, yeah, to wow. listen to tone um, as well when you yeah. do, so you can actually talk to it. Um, amazing. So there's some really exciting things going in there as well. Yeah, amazing. It, the sky's the limit, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> and, and UK and US are obviously on the horizon for the next three years. Yeah, okay, yeah. awesome. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all right making all this money, but I understand that you're a partner with Living. Can yeah, you, we are, yes. Yeah. yeah, can you tell us a little bit about why you um, decided to become a partner with Living and is that something close to your heart or, you know, why, why Living? Yeah, um, firstly, I, I met Sam um, at, a, at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast. He was actually speaking with Steve Baxter um, yep. probably about 18 months ago. So it was just before we went on to Shark Tank and we were basically following... Steve around before we went on the show because we were trying to plant ourselves in his life so we became yeah, okay. recent and frequent with him yeah, wow. so when we went on the show he would recognise us that's, um, that's a whole different story yeah. uh, so we literally went to every single event that he hosted for the three months prior to us going on Shark Tank Amazing. Um, and at one of them was Sam Webb who was one of the co-founders with Casey Lyons uh, of Living and I heard the yeah. story for the first time um, and not, not necessarily that it's close to my heart that um, yeah. I know anybody that's gone through a, a deep depression or, or anxiety or anything. I mean, I, I had a little bit when I got into the industry. I don't, I don't think I got, got depression, but I definitely got anxiety about yeah. not performing and, and feeling inadequate. But since we've had this business and we've coached so many different companies of all shapes and sizes, mm. what I've really recognized, when you get the senior management, um, people, uh, owners of the businesses that have got a bit of pressure on them I guess especially if you've got mm. investors in their business is there's the common denominator that there's so much stress um, and and levels of depression there that nobody talks about and sometimes I don't I don't know why and I, I'm starting to understand why now because I've started to study it but people seem to open up to me and people were just telling me left right and center that they're actually deep, deeply depressed and they're not happy yeah and I'm like wow, like I, I, I'm not a counsellor. I'm like, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> yeah. So then I reached out to Sam and I said, hey, mate, can we go and grab a coffee? I want to find out more about what you guys do. I would like to have an outlet to send these people to. Yeah. So met with him, blown away by his passion for it as well. He introduced me to another guy called Luke Foster, yeah. who is the psychologist for living, um, who's an amazing guy, um, used to be a psychologist um, in the army. And um, so they've, they've started making content for us to go into our online program, um, completely free of charge. So if you're in our, um, if you're in our premium academy, you get access to um, ways to maintain mindset, uh, mental health, resilience, overcome limiting beliefs, and so on and so forth, whilst having the outlet to speak to them as well, if you would like. Amazing. Um, so yeah, so we've yeah, so we partnered with them a few months, months ago. So our national tours are now sponsored by them. All proceeds go to them. Um, wow. And yeah, I just think they're doing amazing things. So uh, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of other companies are, but they're just the ones that kind of really connected with me. And they're based on the coast. They're in Burley. So. Yeah, they're a little local brand, so yeah. doing great things. With um, the Hemsworths on board as well. So they're doing all right. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have like a definite purpose, like what you sort of want to become or like that drives you every single morning to get up and like what's your purpose? Um, yeah, the, the easy answer to that is my parents. I know that's a real sort of cheesy cliche answer, um, but those people that know me or have known me for a while will know that my dad's been pretty sick for the last 18 years. He's had mm -hmm. um, cancer, esophagus cancer. He's still with us today, fortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, he's, quite dis he's highly disfigured. He's lost, lost half his face through too much radiotherapy. Um, wow. And he hasn't been able to work since like 2001. Uh, my mum works too many hours at an airport in the UK. Um, and they don't own a house, they rent. Um, they don't have a pension or superannuation. Mm -hmm. So my, my number one goal is to move them over here by 2022 and set them up um, and it will happen. So that, that's my driver. Um, secondary to that, I guess, it shouldn't be secondary, it should be next to that as well, is my, my baby boy, I think. Uh, yeah. Everybody always says to you when you have a baby, it changes your perception on it and it's really hard to understand until you do. Yeah. But um, my little boy, Maverick, Maverick Ace. Um, Maverick, love the name. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Since I've had him, yeah, it definitely makes you want to um, sh not show him how good you are, but I want him to be proud, you know? Like, I was yeah. always proud of my mum and dad because they worked really hard. So I think mm. regardless of what you do, you're always going to be proud and look up to them, but I really want to create something um, long after me. And um, the the numbers that we have around that are impacting a million lives with the Swish movement. Um, yeah. And just to, just to let people know that it's okay to sell. 
yeah. it's okay to present your product if you think it's going to benefit somebody and that that real mindset shift would be my legacy I guess yeah well yeah. okay um, one last question if you could go on a time machine right now and take and go back one day in the past what day would it be one day in the past yeah might have been a day that you just were on pure euphoria or defining moment or um i would go back to the day that i got released from leicester and i would have learned how to sell instead of become an engineer yeah wow i would have done a sales course instead of become an engineer i think i would be retired by now (laughs) (laughs) and i mean that i mean i think um robert kiyosaki says it's only four words learn how to sell yeah it's the it's the most use skill every day in life you used it to get yourself you 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 hustled your way in to get a podcast here because yeah. you had an ability to communicate why it would be valuable to both of us and, and steal an hour of my time and so yeah. on and so forth that's a sale like everything yeah. that we're doing and I just wish somebody would have opened my eyes up to that when I was a lot younger mm. um, like Maverick will be selling from the second he can talk um, he's already been in here with the headset like he's yeah, well. very much because you, you learn how to communicate with other human beings, it opens up the world to you and there's so much opportunity out there. Yeah. So yeah, I just wish I'd have learned this skill a lot sooner than I did. Definitely. And like, you, without realizing it, you use sailing in everything you do. Like when you're with mates and maybe they want to go out there, yeah. but then you persuade them to go there, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you can use sails in many other ways. And I think um, yesterday I had a conversation and they were talking about how at the end of the day, you can sell absolutely anything, like honestly anything. And if you go on with that belief, then you have a lot more freedom, I think, like with where you can go and you don't really feel as like you're pushing on, that, that's what, stepping on any toes or anything. The word you, know? you use there is right, it's, it's freedom. And, and you'll yeah. get the wrong people around you will say to you, um, it won't make you happy, money won't make you happy and all of that jazz and there's been counter arguments around that. Um, Mm. It does, it creates freedom, it creates opportunity. Um, I've had no money, I've had lots of money, I know which one I prefer. You you still have the same, you still have stresses, you just have different stresses, like it doesn't stop. But I I hear people say all the time, that person's rich or that person's successful, what have they got to complain about? They've got a lot to complain about, it's just that they've got money in the bank whilst they're doing it. Um, And then, that's where people that don't have money and don't have ambition will try and pull you back because what it does is highlight that they didn't have the balls to go and do anything in the first place. Mm. So, um, and we're good at that in Australia. Ah, oh, tall, yeah, tall, tall poppy syndrome is real. Um, yeah. We know that, and and it, it does it holds you back. But it, I, I fell into that category for a long time. I didn't want to yeah. promote the success that I was having, and maybe that was another reason I didn't jump on the camera. Yeah. Um, I've got Facebook ads out at the moment where our digital agency were forcing me to be a little bit more forceful with it and talk, smash it, smash it down the camera and talk about the results that we've got. And I was apprehensive with doing it, but I'm getting battered on social media by people having a go at me. He, yeah, well. he looks gay, can't take him seriously. Like, like just so much abuse from people that don't know me, just trolls. Yeah. But because now I'm really comfortable in who I am and the results that we can get for people, it doesn't bother me. Mm. but a few years ago it would have yeah. so I've really I've got past that now I'm like that's okay you can think that we're a scam you can think that we're just trying to sell a product but I've got 5,000 people that beg to differ mm. so having those runs on the board definitely helps you with your own insecurities I think and it yeah. was it was my insecurities that were stopping me because the only reason it will bother you is if you believe it's true yeah. and now I don't believe it's true yeah so yeah, are you a lot more confident on the camera now? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have done this three years ago. Yeah, well, so like for me, my big shift was when um, this one guy told me, he said, because I was always thinking about like the negative things, you know, like, oh, if I post that, you know, so-and-so is going to talk bad about me and all this other stuff. But if you just focus on like how that could positively affect someone. So for example, he told me to create this imaginary person. So f- for example, you name him Fred. And you list all the characteristics that you want Fred to be as one of your like close mates. So, yeah. for example, outgoing, positive, optimistic, you know, big goal setter, dreamer. And you list all that and you speak directly to him through the camera. And if you just nice. focus on that, then you don't even think about the other side. You're only speaking to your target market. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. And that's, that might, you might have, you know, ridiculous amount of, you might have like 100,000 followers and that might only be 1% of mm. those following 
but to get that message from someone saying that you've had a positive effect on their life yeah. that's worth more than any it's, paycheck it's, it's, it's job done like I um, I flew to Sydney on Monday Yeah. when I landed I got off the plane I had a message from a guy um, and I'll, I'll show you the message after yeah. and he literally said um, hey Ryan you don't know me this was on Messenger he said you don't know me um, I just saw you on our flight down to Sydney um, I just wanted to say I've been following your video content for a while it's truly inspiring um, people don't say this to strangers often enough but keep doing what you're doing you're having an impact and I'm like that is why we do it like, yeah. to, to think that I'm or we're sorry impacting people that we've never met before mm. that he's never even come for a program he's just yeah. saw some of the free content we put out there yeah. that's cool that's the power of social media. Yeah, exactly. You're impacting lives without even knowing it. Yeah. And, and that, that's amazing. And they're the ones you look for. So for every other person that slags us off that's never used us, we're also impacting people that have never used us as well. And that's cool. Like, I don't care if you invest in us or not. As long as we give you a level of value. And if we don't, delete. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so, um, delete the lock. Yeah, so that's, that's, why, that's why we do it. Yeah, yeah amazing. Sure. Well, thanks so much for um, giving up an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. And, it was awesome chat and I'm sure the audience got something out of it and never know we might have some future salesmen out there so absolutely like amazing Thank what did I tell you guys Ryan did not disappoint so many educational tips on selling and how to sell ethically and from your heart because when you sell from your heart and you truly believe in the product or service that you're selling then there's no reason why you shouldn't be confident in yourself to um, sell that product or service so if you did enjoy today's podcast, please take a screenshot, chuck it up on your Instagram story. It would mean the world. The more people that can see this podcast, the more people that can uh, you know, come up with certain ideas, positively impact the world, and that's what I'm all about. So really appreciate it, guys. And if you really loved it, honestly, if you really loved it, it'd be awesome to get um, some feedback on Apple podcast because that helps me um, reach more listeners as well so if you really did love it <laughs> um, thanks again and tune in next time as I interview Ali Day and Anthony Bartolo about their gym active and what they're doing and also about Ali's comeback for the 2020 season so very interesting one popping up so stay stoked and remember do something today that your tomorrow self will thank you